you soon, right? Amen. Uh, I was, uh, so a couple, right, a couple things. First of all, um, there's so much I want to say, Pastor Mike. I, there really is. So <laughs> I do. And uh, we were in our office this morning and having uh, a, a moment of prayer and solitude and, and uh, you know, just trying to pray down God's presence for the service today. And uh, I just looked at Mike. I said, you know, you know what I want for Christmas from you? And uh, he's like, yeah, what? I said, no more jokes till the end of the year. And so, um, and so um, I said, you know, uh, there's a lot that was said, and I can't even share it. So uh, that'll be my Christmas present to you. And so um, we're glad you're here today, though, and we like to have fun at our church. We do. And even though, um, you know, uh, we're all a little bit different and uh, different ways, we, we celebrate that. Amen. And um, I'm so thankful that it's uh, Christmas time, and I just love this time of year. And it is cool. The sun's out today, and um, the kids did a great job this morning, and we praise God. Uh, the Lord is giving us another generation that desires to serve and know Christ. Amen? And um, I thank God for that. Um, this morning, we're talking about, we've been talking about this entire month, God with us. That God is with us. And um, this morning in Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 18, I'm going to read that again. The Bible says, the birth of Jesus uh, Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together. She was found with child from the Holy Spirit. And later on in the passage, in verse number 23, which is what we've been kind of focusing on all month, is this, is this passage is taken from the book of Isaiah, and it says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us, or God is with us. And this morning, we want to focus in our, our hearts and our minds on the, the truth of the incarnation. And the incarnation refers to the fact that Jesus was God in human flesh, and it's a theological concept right that we can't necessarily explain and it's it's a bit of a mystery that that jesus was 100 percent god right amen and he was 100 percent man in the human flesh and so that's in essence what the uh, incarnation is and so it, it's the idea that that god the son took to himself a human nature or on took on human flesh theologically it means that that god became a man and he mo- he walked among those who he created, and those he came to redeem. And John said it this way in the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. And that's our God. He came and he lived among us, and he walked among his creation, those that he came to redeem, those that he came to, to rescue from their sin and their bondage and their guilt, and their shame, and the, the, the incarnation itself, it provides us with powerful illustrations, powerful illustrations showing us in manifested ways or in physical ways that God is with us, that Jesus himself is with us, and he does that by sending his son Jesus to step into our lives, providing us an unending hope, and the fact that Jesus came 2,000 years ago, and he stepped into this world, and he stepped into time, and he stepped into space, provides you and me with an unending hope that this world cannot offer us. The Bible teaches us also, and I think this is important, I just want to mention this today, but the Bible teaches us that Jesus was born of a virgin. We read that in the passage this morning. No other birth would do because Jesus had to be born of God. He had to be born of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, Jesus would have been just like you and me. He would have been just like any other baby that came to this earth. Um, He would have been a baby that would have been with sin, but Jesus instead 
was born of the Holy Spirit. Thereby, he was born without sin, and he would become the lamb that was slain for the sins of mankind. I want to say this this morning. It was Jesus being God and becoming man by putting on human form that would fulfill the promise of redemption and paying the price for our sin. And ultimately, ultimately, that's what we celebrate this time of year. That's what we are gathered here this morning to celebrate, to remember, and to lift up high the name of Christ this morning. And if Jesus wasn't God, I mean, let's just think about that for a moment. If Jesus Christ wasn't God in flesh, if Jesus Christ wasn't born of the Virgin Mary, everything that we do here today would be futile. Everything that we do here today would be completely worthless. And yet, we recognize from the teaching of the Word of God that Jesus was and is God in human form. And that 2,000 years ago, he stepped out of heaven into our world so that we could have a sacrifice that would pay for all of our sins. C.S. Lewis, who wrote the Chronicles of Narnia and Mere Christianity, he says it this way, Jesus was either a liar, he was a lunatic, or he was Lord. And this morning, the message of Christ and the message of the gospel, it demands a response from all of us. Because Jesus was either who he said he was or he wasn't. He was either a lunatic, he was a liar, or he was a Lord. And the the incarnation of Christ, the virgin birth, establishes Christ as Lord over all. It, it, It establishes the supremacy of Jesus Christ. It establishes, in a sense, the sovereignty of Christ. The reality that he has all power and he has all authority. The fact that Jesus could, and he did, step into time. He stepped into space. He, he found himself in Mary's womb. And he came forth from Mary's womb. And he lived a life of 30 plus years to the day. And he knew exactly when his life would be given up for the sins of all mankind. His life his life demonstrates his supremacy and his sovereignty over all things, and it should give us an incredible amount of comfort and hope as we live our lives in this world because he's our king and he's our Lord and our Savior and our master in all things. You see, his birth and his life demand our allegiance. It demands our attention and it demands our devotion. But most importantly, the incarnation provides us with hope to trust him. The incarnation provides us with hope because if Jesus could be born of a virgin, if he could step into time and space, and if he could do what he did in his life and in his ministry, then he's definitely someone that we can trust. He's someone that we can put our hope in. He's someone that we can have confidence in when our life feels complex or when our life feels uncertain. He's someone that we can have an unshakable confidence in when our life feels like it's spinning out of control. You see, God was willing to bankrupt heaven in order to secure our salvation. To secure the salvation of those without a relationship with his son. But what do we mean? And what did Jesus actually step into? Because the incarnation impacts our lives on a personal level. And this passage illustrates that when Jesus became, when he became flesh, he stepped into messy lives, missional purpose, and moments that really matter to us personally. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Because the incarnation provides us with a guiding hope that no matter what this life entails, or no matter what this life throws at us, we know, we know, because Jesus came, was incarnated, stepped into time and space, that he is supreme and Lord over all, 
we know that no matter what this life throws at us, that God is with us. God is with us. He demonstrated this by his birth, by his incarnation. Christ's coming this morning, his coming, his birth, provides us with an immeasurable hope and confidence for each and every day of our lives, no matter how difficult or how uncertain it is. Now, first of all, we see this morning that Christ stepped into the messiness of our lives. I want you to read with me again in verse 18. The Bible says the birth of Jesus took place in this way. His birth took place in this way, and then it goes on to describe what was going on when Christ was born. It says when his mother Mary had been betrothed. Now, betrothal isn't like what we think of today. In the, old, or in, the, in, in, in the ancient history, when you were betrothed, it was actually you were already considered to be married without the consummation of the marriage. And so it was a pretty serious thing. And if you um, stepped outside of that commitment, it could mean real trouble for the person, and specifically for Mary, who um, could have violated the commitment that she was in uh, with Joseph. And so the Bible says she was, she was betrothed uh, to Joseph before they came together, meaning before they had an intimate relationship with one another. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. I want to mention to you this morning that Christ steps into the messiness of our lives, and it's demonstrated in many ways in the life of Joseph and Mary. Because Joseph and Mary did not come from royalty, and they didn't come from wealth. In the eyes of the world, they were nobodies, and their life was about to be turned upside down. This passage teaches us that when our life is turned upside down, God is with us. Isn't that good news this morning? When your life, or when my life is turned upside down, maybe by some bad news, or by a financial reversal, or by um, a betrayal, or a hurt, or on and on and on we could go. The Holy Spirit can make application in your heart and life this morning. But when your life is turned upside down, this passage reminds us that God is with us. You see, when Jesus became flesh, it demonstrated God's commitment to you and me. Now, here it is. Mary and Joseph are committed to be married. They're betrothed to be married. And they're in this relationship with one another. And then all of a sudden, that's going to be different. It's not going to be the way that they expected. And here's this young couple uh, in in a place of uncertainty. And yet, Jesus decides to step into their lives. It was a messy life. Christ came to demonstrate the links that he was willing to go to rescue them, but not just them, he was demonstrating the links that he goes for, to, to, to rescue you and I. I can't imagine being more vulnerable than being born into the world as a baby. Now think about that. Jesus could have came as a king. He could have came any way that he wanted to. But Jesus Christ decided to put himself in the womb of another human being, a, a human being that he created. And he put himself there. Nine months later, he came out. Now, listen, I mean, are you with me this morning? Because if you've had a child in the last five years, and and, and, and a lot of millennials, they have like birthing plans, right? You know, some people are like, hey, I'm getting the epidural. And other people are like, no, bless God, I'm going, I'm going without it. We're going to, we're going to bring this child out in the world. I'm going natural with this thing. Other people, I want a water birth. Some people are like, I want a doula. And on and on and on we can go, right? People are, they can get kind of crazy about bringing a child into the world. Amen? You guys with me, right? People get kind of crazy about that kind of stuff. And so now we have birthing processes. And it would, it would like blow our mind to, to think of not having a child in the hospital, right? I mean, my friend, uh, Jimmy, who used to be, um, uh, helped us start the church here, and now he's down in Florida. Um, he, uh, 
he, uh, he and his wife Amanda just had their third child a few years ago, and his name was Logan. And uh, when Logan was born, we had a big, huh? Grant, Logan, whatever. You can correct me in the middle of the message. Is this how we're doing this? Because there's some things I want to say to you guys when I'm talking too, right? Their youngest child, their grandparents are here today, but their youngest child, whatever his name might be, I love them all. There was a snowstorm that night. And we're FaceTiming them back and forth, and Amanda's having contractions, and I was trying to be funny, and I said, hey, man, she has an incredible pain tolerance. I said, hey, jump on that yoga ball and just start bouncing up and down and see if the baby, and I was being completely sarcastic. So she did. She got on the ball, and then she starts, you know, doing the whole bit, and she's just trying to manage the pain. And so we hung up with them, and I think a few minutes later, she calls Kristen Kasner, and she's on the phone with Kristen, and she's laying there, and she goes, oh, my word, my water just broke. And so... Then they called the hospital, and I know uh, Jim and Charlene were there, they're, they're the grandparents-to-be, they were living at their house at the time, and she had to crawl, no kidding, she had to crawl out to the, the ambulance because she was in so much pain, and while in the ambulance, en route to the hospital, she had the baby in the ambulance. Now for most of us, like that's just unfathomable, right? We would never consider doing that, but that's in many ways what happened in the life of Christ, except for there was no ambulance, there was no EMT. He was born in a little no-name town called Bethlehem that was completely insignificant, very small, had no influence, and he was born in a cave, right? He was born in a cave with a bunch of animals, right? And so here is the majestic birth of Christ our Lord. And this is the kind of life that Jesus stepped into, one without privilege, one without wealth. He came to be a servant king. In Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, we find Mary and Joseph traveling to Bethlehem to pay taxes in her, in her, uh, in her ninth month of, uh, of labor or in birth. We see Jesus born in a cave, laid in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And then in Matthew 2, we find King Herod jealous and concerned that Jesus was coming to take his place on the throne. And so he says, kill all babies under the age of two. So abort them all, hopefully killing Jesus because he didn't want the throne to be threatened by a new coming king. This is the life that Jesus stepped into. Don't waste this reality. And if Jesus, listen, was willing to step into that mess, listen, it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. He's willing to step into the messiness of your life. It isn't pretty. It isn't royal. It isn't anything uh, that they expected their life to be. And I imagine that this isn't how Joseph and Mary planned to spend their early years of their young love. My wife and I, we waited four years to have kids, and, and we wanted to travel and do some things that were fun before we had responsibility, right? And so I'm sure Mary and Joseph wanted to enjoy those, those honeymoon years and those first few years, and instead, God steps into their life and says, no, I've got a different plan for you. I've got a different direction that I want your life to take, and man, it's going to be a redemptive plan, and it's going to help fill the narrative of the Word of God, and you're going to bring in a child into this world, and he's going to change everything. And so I want to remind you this morning that while your life might be messy, and it might be turned upside down. Don't waste the truth that this morning that when God turns your life upside down, it's almost always to fulfill his redemptive narrative in your life. God never wastes a hurt. And he always used the hurt. And he always uses the difficulty to fulfill his purpose in your life. And this morning, your life may be anything but what you imagined that it would be. You might be thinking this morning, man, I didn't get the job that I wanted. I didn't get to go to the college that I wanted to attend. I, I hope you wouldn't say this, but maybe you're sitting next to your spouse, but I didn't marry the person that I thought I married. 
right? My kids aren't coming up the way that I thought they should come up. They're not obeying me. They're not respecting me. They're making bad decisions. And this morning, your life may be anything but what you imagined it would be. It might be very messy. And you feel desperate and alone. And Jesus wants to step into the messy life that you have. And he wants to walk with you in it to redeem you and to make all things new. And the incarnation reminds us that God is with us in the messiness and the uncertainty of life. He wants to remind us this morning that we're never alone. And he wants to remind us, are you with me? There's nothing more near to us than Jesus Christ stepping from the galaxies beyond, from the heavens above. There's nothing that speaks that Jesus wants to be near, that God wants to be near to us, than him putting himself inside Mary's womb and being born into this world to pay for all of our sins. So no matter how alone you feel this morning, you can know. Jesus is near, and he's near even when it gets messy. The second thought is this, is Jesus stepped into the mission that he would call us into. In verse 21, Joseph is kind of flipping out, you know? I don't know about you, but I kind of feel the same way that Joseph did, but he's kind of flipping out. And in verse 21, the angel speaking to him, he says, look, Mary's going to bear a son. And when she does, you're going to call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. Now, the incarnation reminds us why Jesus was willing to go to these lengths. In verse 21, the Bible says that he would be called Jesus and he would save us from our sins. And Jesus was the one who would come to seek and save the lost. Jesus didn't come as a king. Listen, he came as a servant. He came as a servant. His name in Hebrew is Joshua, meaning Jehovah is salvation. He would be called Jesus the Christ, meaning the anointed one. Christ is the title indicating that Jesus is the anointed king, and his kingdom would be eternal. His kingdom would be spiritual. And, and, and this morning, he came to be our king in a way that transcends politics and it transcends nations. He came to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He came to be the king of your life, the king of your heart, the king of all that matters. He came to be our savior and our redeemer and the one who would rescue us from guilt, shame, sin, and bondage. Joseph, in this text, I, I would imagine... He's likely paralyzed by fear. Man, what am I going to do? I mean, I was going to marry this young, beautiful woman, and now she's, she's going to have a child. And yet God sends an angel to commission him. He says, hey, 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 Joseph, chill out for a second. I got this. I want you to know something. You're going to be a part of God's redemptive mission. In fact, your son is going to save the world, and you're going to get to be a part of this, and this is amazing. So I want to remind you this morning that God, in his redemptive plan, invites you and me into the very same mission that Jesus came to fulfill on the cross of Jesus Christ. And so this morning, no matter how messy things are, complex they are, uncertain they are, or no matter how much fear is welling up in your heart this morning, hey, listen, God is inviting you into his redemptive plan to bring others to Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus steps in the world to heal brokenness, and he uses broken people to help broken people. Can I get an amen? there's no perfect people in the church. There's only people that are in progress. And so God uses our brokenness to reach the brokenness of others. He uses messy people to minister to other messy people. And his mission wasn't for the elite. He called the nobodies to tell the world about somebody that would forever change their life. That's what Jesus does. He came to heal, forgive, and redeem. And God's son stepped into time and space to serve us in flesh and blood. And he gave us an example 
for us to live out and imitate in our lives. Man, you know what I would hope that we get out of this Christmas season? And it's a time, typically, that can be self-indulgent. It could be a time of year that can be incredibly selfish and narcissistic if we're not careful. But man, I hope what we get from this season is we see the reality of Christ coming to be our servant. And that we as followers of Jesus Christ and disciples of Jesus Christ would look at our lives and say, you know what? I want my life to emulate that. I want my life to represent what Jesus' life represented. And I don't want my life to be about me. I want it to be about him and his plan, his mission, and what he's inviting me into. You see, the life that Jesus lived is the life that we're to live as we seek to pursue the one who saves. Jesus came with a mission. He came to serve a purpose, the purpose of his Father, and he was willing to surrender the comforts of heaven to be obedient. I want to know, for you and for me this morning, Are we willing to surrender all of our lives, every part of our lives, our hopes, our dreams, our ambitions to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? And this morning, you know, when you think about that, it seems a bit daunting. It seems a bit much to ask that of those of us who follow Christ. But when you consider what Jesus surrendered, when you consider how Jesus obeyed, and when you consider that Jesus followed the Father's plan, It's really not that much to ask of us to follow him and to pursue him and to live out his mission that he lived out in his life. It's no easy task. It's no easy task, but he came. He came to minister to the marginalized. He came to serve the hurting. He came to serve the weak and the least of these. And now he invites us into that calling for the sake of others. And this morning I want you to understand something. While your life may be uncertain, While your life might at this moment be very unpleasant, as your life unfolds, so is God's purpose for your life. You you with me today? Because here in Joseph's, you know, uh, narrative and in the story, it's, it's not a fable, right? It's a true fact, and it's an account of what happened in the life of Joseph and Mary. And as things begin to unfold, Joseph couldn't see all of this. Joseph didn't know how things were going to flesh out. Joseph didn't know how all of this was going to come about. He just put one foot in front of the other as he faithfully followed his Savior and his King, Jesus Christ. Just followed God. And as his life unfolded, the purpose became more clear. I want to tell you this morning, God will use everything that is difficult to direct you and others to God's redemptive grace. And this is exactly what he's doing in this text. And it's exactly what he'll do in your life if you'll follow him. Instead of living in despair, discouragement, or in depression, I want to encourage you this morning to allow your difficulties to point others to Jesus Christ. Christ our King is with us, and he invites us into the mission, proclaiming the gospel. And most kings stand back, and I love this. Any movie that you watch about medieval times, almost every time, right, you see the kings staying back because they're way too important, right? They're not going to get involved in the battle because they're going to preserve their life, right? Not Jesus. Jesus steps into this thing. And he stands next to us and he commits his life so much so that he goes to the cross at 30-some years of age. And he gives it up so that you and I can be freed from our sins. That's the king that we serve. This is the kind of king that we serve. And we surrender because he came to us. And most people in that position of authority use it to their ends, but not Jesus. And neither should we. He was a servant king that came to set us free. 
But then lastly this morning, Christ stepped into the moments that we would experience. And so you see this, all right, look, Jesus steps into the messiness of life, and we see this kind of like on a a macro level, a 30,000-foot view. We see that he invites us into his mission, but then we also see on a micro level, he steps into the moments of our life, right? And in verses 19 through 23, and actually, actually through 25, we see the story of Joseph. Her husband, Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, now listen, don't, don't, don't miss out what's being said there. The Bible says as he considered these things. I mean, I, can you imagine? I mean, Joseph, Mary comes to him and says, look, I'm pregnant. And the Holy Spirit conceived a child in me. And his name is going to be Jesus. And he's going to save the world from their sins. And I'm like, really? Who you been with last night? Like, that, that's a conversation I would have had, right? But that's the story. And so he's considering, what do I do? Well, what am I going to tell my family? I mean, Mary's telling me she's impregnated by God. I mean, really? That's never happened before. And I couldn't be happening to us. And here it is. It's all unfolding. And so he considered these things. And as he was, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, look at this. I love this. Do not fear. Don't fear, man. Don't fear. Take Mary as your wife. The child that is in her it was born of the Holy Ghost, born of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and you're going to call his name Jesus, and he's going to save his people from their sins. So we see that Christ is stepping into the moments that we would experience. And, and I don't want to speculate, but I'm sure Joseph was conflicted about what to do. In fact, the angel appeared and says to him, Joseph, look, look don't, don't fear. And that word fear, he, he's, saying, he's telling Joseph, look, it simply means do not be afraid. Do not be cowardly. You know what he's saying? Joseph, trust the word of the Lord. Trust what Mary's telling you because it is from God. Take Mary as your wife. And listen, take her as your wife no matter how difficult it is. Surrender to God's will because listen, God is with you. God is with you. I want to tell you this morning, don't let fear hinder you from surrendering, surrendering, surrendering to God's plan and purpose for your life. Because obedience, listen, obedience and I hope you write this down today. Obedience is the safest place to be because God is with us. Obedience is the safest place to be because God is with us. You see, you and I were called and invited to step out of fear into a moment of faith so that our lives can be forever transformed and so that others can know and love Jesus Christ. And on a very personal level, God steps into our most complex moments with a word that encourages us to trust Him and follow Him as His plans unfold. We don't always know exactly what God is up to. It wouldn't require faith if we knew everything. And so in this moment of complexity, in this moment of uncertainty, Joseph gets a word from God. He gets an encouragement from uh, God himself to follow him. And I want you to know this morning that God is with us. And he turns our messy moments. Listen to this. God is with us. And he turns our messy moments into miracles. That's what he's doing in Joseph's life. That's what he's done in my life. That's what he's done in many of your lives that are sitting in here today. God takes the messy moments of our lives and he turns them into miracles when we simply trust his plan, allowing his purposes to unfold. And when we do that, listen, nothing is impossible with God. God is with you. And no matter what it is that you're afraid of and no matter what you're facing, Jesus came in human form to demonstrate this truth. 
And he came as a Savior King, and he comes alongside of us in our most distressing moments, and he comes alongside of us to encourage us to do his will, even when we second-guess his plan. He steps into the ordinary and the not-so-ordinary moments of our lives to guide us and to guard us. He steps into those ordinary moments. He steps into those not-so-ordinary moments. And we're never alone. We're never without hope. Because our trust is in Emmanuel, God with us. Your moment of fear this morning may not be like Joseph's. I get that. I mean, that was kind of like a once-in-a-lifetime once in all of human history type of deal. Otherwise, you know, it wouldn't have been Jesus. But there's not a single person in this room who hasn't had a complex or uncertain moment pop up into their lives where we've had to take a step of faith trusting in the sovereign hand of God in our lives. And when we do that, often we feel alone, we feel afraid, and we feel worried or anxious or concerned. But when we know and understand that God is with us, we can surrender to his plan knowing that he will guide us and he will guard us into his perfect will for our lives. We're never alone. We're never without hope. We all can have moments where we're paralyzed by fear. Joseph did, wondering what in the world is going on. Man, what is God up to? Why is he doing this? Why is he allowing this to happen in my life? Why is my world coming apart? I mean, you know, and we do it this way. Man, you know, like there's people out there that do drugs, and there's people out there that commit crimes, and there's people out there that do, and we start comparing our lives to everyone else, don't we? And we wonder, man, I'm following Christ, man. I'm giving to the church. I'm, I'm serving in the church. I'm a good person. Why is this happening to me? Now listen, I'm pretty sure the vessel that God chose to be born in would not be someone that was squirrely. Can I get an amen on that, right? I'm pretty sure that Mary was, a, was as righteous as they came in regards to living a life of purity and, and pursuing the, 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 uh, the uh, plan of God for her life. Here was a young woman who probably wasn't looking for this call on her life, who was probably a follower of God and who was trying to live by faith. And here God totally turned her world upside down. Same with Joseph. Young couple, ready to be married. Now they got to uproot their family, go to Bethlehem. Then they got to go to Egypt because of their fear of their life and the fear of the, child, uh, the, the Christ child's life. All of this stuff is going on to a couple that likely didn't deserve it to happen to them. And yet God allowed it to happen to fulfill his redemptive purpose, to strengthen their faith, and to move forward the kingdom purposes of God. And this morning, that might be your story. You're like, man, I don't understand why my life's coming apart. I feel like I'm doing pretty good with following Christ, and I feel like I'm doing all the things I'm supposed to be doing, and yet nothing seems to be working. And listen, when God is at work, it'll never make sense. If you can, can, if you can explain it, it's probably not from God. But when it seems uncertain, and when it causes a, a, a moment of fear and an uncertainty and a worry, it's an opportunity and a moment that you get to put your faith in a sovereign king who is with you. And when we do, we have a Savior who steps into that moment to give us a word and guide us into his will. And we can, we can surrender to that plan the moment that he does. So look, I want to simply remind you this morning. This is, this is the message, right? I want to simply remind you this morning that we have a Savior King who is with us. 
They don't forget that this holiday season. Some people love Christmas. Some people struggle because it's just a reminder of all the failures in their life. Maybe you got a divorce this year. Maybe you had a financial setback this year. Maybe you got a cancer diagnosis this year. Um, uh, maybe you got hurt, betrayed by a close friend this year. And Christmas just reminds you of everything that's wrong in your life this year. I want to remind you that Jesus is always near and his incarnation provides us hope and confidence to go forward another day. Don't let your circumstances rob you of the hope and joy that you have in the powerful truth that God is with us. Because Jesus became flesh and he stepped into messy lives, missional purpose and moments that really matter to us personally. And this morning, we can find hope in him. So I want you to recognize, recognize this morning that he's willing to step into the messiness of your life. And I don't care how messy your life is. I don't care how broken your life is this morning. I want you to know and understand that no matter what's going on, Christ is willing to step into that mess that's called your life. And this morning, you may have never put your complete faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're trusting in your religion or your baptism or, or um, your good works or maybe uh, whatever it is that you're trusting in this morning and, you, and you're here and you're like, man, I don't really have a relationship with God and I don't know that I'm forgiven of my sins and I don't know that I have a home in heaven. And you know, if I really thought about it, if I were to step out into eternity this holiday season, I don't know where I stand with God. The good news is this morning is that Christ came so that you could know. Christ came so that you could be forgiven, so that all your sins could be washed away, your past, your present, and your future sins. Christ came to redeem you, to rescue you, to remove the guilt and shame that comes from a life of sin and bondage. And this morning, he came so that we could know him, so that we could have not religion, but so that we could have a relationship with him personally. So recognize that no matter what your life is in this moment, he's willing to step into that. But then accept the invitation into the mission and purpose that he has for you. Instead of viewing your life as difficult, uh, despairing, and, and, and living in a place of discouragement and depression, allow the plan of God to unfold in such a way that it fulfills the redemptive purposes of God in your life. Look, man, some of you got some messed up stuff going on in your life right now. I know because you tell me, like, hey, pray for me on this. Hey, pastor, you know, um, I don't know what to do here. And listen, half the time when you guys tell me stuff like, hey, what do I do? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. But I know someone who does. And his name is Jesus. And I know that if you walk by faith and not by sight, and you'll patient and you'll let his plan unfold it'll all make sense in the end and during that process he's going to use you and he's going to use that messiness of your life so that others can be drawn to the beauty that is the gospel in jesus christ and then i want you to feel encouraged this morning i want you to feel encouraged that he steps into the personal moments of your life I'm going to tell you, there's some people in this room today that even though you're surrounded by several hundred people, you feel all alone. And you feel like no one cares, and no one really knows you, and no one gets you. And right now, you're facing some things that are some major hurdles and some major obstacles in your life, and it's just kind of messed up. And quite frankly, you don't even want to deal with it right now because it's the holidays. And you really don't want to step into the new year, but it just seems a bit broken. And And you feel like no one gets what you're going through in this moment. And no matter who you tell, 
really what you probably most often get from your friends and your family is a Christian cliche. You know, oh, God's with you. God will work it out. God causes all things to work together for good. And I believe all those things. And if you've ever been in a mess, it doesn't really matter what people tell you. You know, words usually can't bring the hope that you need. But you know what does? The personal presence of Jesus Christ. I want to remind you this morning. I want to remind all of us this morning. That's why he came. He came physically. He came as God. He came as man so that we could know his presence in our lives. And now, those of us who know Christ and those of us who have uh, accepted his gift of salvation and those who freely follow him have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, encouraging us and strengthening us and guiding us all along the way. And with that truth, listen, you are never alone. You're never without hope and you're never without strength to do what God has called you to do. So in every one of these, know that God is unfolding his redemptive purpose for you and those around you that need Jesus and the great hope that he offers all of us. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, how many of you would say to me this morning, Pastor Jason, I know Christ personally as my Savior. There's been a time in my life where I put my complete faith and trust in him. And if I were to slip out into eternity today, I know heaven is my home. Would you lift, my, lift your hand up this morning just so that we can see those hands around the room today? How many of you say to me this morning, Jay, I don't know Christ as my Savior. I don't know that I'm forgiven of my sins. I don't know that I have a home in heaven. I don't know really where I stand with God. Would you pray for me? Would you just lift your hand and let me see that this morning? Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Yes, ma'am, I see that hand. Anyone else? How many of you say to me this morning, Pastor, my life's kind of messed up right now. And I just, I need, I need this truth today that God is with me in the incarnation. I need to know the hope, the unending hope, the immeasurable hope that I have, that God is with me because things just aren't the way that I thought they would be. Would you pray for me this morning? Would you lift your hand this morning so I could lift you up? Amen, 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 amen. Hands all over the room. In just a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to come and just worship God at, on these steps. God's spoken to you today, and you're like, man, I've got some messiness going on, and I need some hope this morning. I want to encourage you just to come and worship God at this altar. And if you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, I'm going to stand right down here on the front row and on the front pew. And if, and if you want to come and just grab me by the hand and say, Pastor, I want to know Christ. I want to know that heaven's my home. I want to know what it means to be forgiven. Grab me by the hand and we'll take a Bible and show you exactly what it means to follow Jesus Christ and how you can be sure of your salvation. Father in heaven, we want to thank you again for Jesus Christ. We want to thank you, Lord, that 2,000 years ago, he came to be born of a virgin, stepped into time and space and reality, to demonstrate the links that you were willing to go to rescue us from our sins. And I just pray this morning that you'd meet us in our, our greatest place of need, in our loneliness and our fear and our frustration and our hurt and our anger, our bitterness. Whatever it might be, God, meet us in that place and God, give us the hope of all hopes that's found in Jesus Christ. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand to your feet?